Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I know it feels a little bit or a lot like Christmas at our locations. We are preparing, but we're not going to skip over Thanksgiving. We're still going to celebrate, but as a lot of the team on our staff say, like, you know, Thanksgiving is a day, Christmas is like a huge season, but we're not going to skip over Thanksgiving. We are so thankful, lots to be thankful for. Uh, I'm so thankful for my family. I married into a great family. Last week, we started on a a 50th wedding anniversary vacation with my mother and father-in-law. You know, usually the difference between like outlaws and in-laws are that outlaws are wanted. (laughs) Uh, But I want my in-laws. I love Gene and Karen, and so happy anniversary to them, 50th anniversary, and we've been celebrating. We are flying home today, and we are beginning a series we're calling The Family Tree. The Family Tree. This will take us all the way up into our Christmas services on December 18th, and here's how we're going to launch into this. I want you to get your pen and your bulletin, your worship guide, or right there in your notes, and I, we're going to do just a little bit of some family trivia this morning, okay? Are you ready to do some... Like, we're going to do some family trivia. I'm going to give you some, some questions, and let's see just how many you can get right. Are you ready? All right, first one's pretty easy. We're going to get you a kind of a, you know, softball warm-up question. Here's the question for your family trivia. What is my name? What is your, not my name. My name is Jeremy. What is your name? What's your first name? Just think about it, and you can write it down. Okay, there's, there's the first question. Good job if you were able to get that far. Let's go a little deeper. What is my dad's name? Okay, now if you, if you honestly, frankly, don't, don't know your dad, then think of someone in your life uh, or use your mom for this, in, in this example. What is my dad's name? Here's question number three on the family trivia. What is my dad's dad's name? In other words, what's your, the first name of your grandfather? Okay, think about it. Question number four. What is my dad's 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 name? What is your great-grandfather's name? Groner, grandfather, okay? Great-grandfather. Now, can anybody answer what your great-great-grandfather's name is? Any hands go up? Any, anybody got it? Uh, you were, you, if, if, if there's any hands, it's because you were on Ancestry.com yesterday, okay? You were all 23 and me doing this whole thing, trying to prove, you know, something about your family to have like arsenal when you go to your Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know my great-great-grandfather's first name. I called my mom and dad. My mom and dad don't know their great-great-grandfather's first name. Many of you, you don't know your great-great-grandfather's first name. And that is like family. Now look at this. Matthew chapter 1 we get a part of the Bible that's hard to read. It's called the genealogy, or it's like the lineage of Jesus. And, and the uh, writer Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he doesn't ask what is the great-great-grandfather of Jesus. He doesn't ask what is your dad's 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 name. He says... Uh, here is Jesus dad's dad 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 
Why? <laughs> Why does Matthew spend so much time giving us 42 generations of Jesus? Why is this so important? Okay? Because as important as it may or may not seem to you to know your dad's name or your dad's dad's name or your kids to know your name, it is critically important to know that Jesus is who he says he is. And the book of Matthew is written to a Jewish audience. And they're not going to start with just miracles of God. They're going to start with the importance of the heritage and the prophecy fulfilled that the anointed one, the Messiah, which the Hebrew word for the anointed one is Messiah. The Greek word for the anointed one is Christ. So Jesus the Christ is Jesus the anointed one. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed one. Why does Matthew and why does the Holy Spirit encourage Matthew to show us all the lineage? That's a good question. We're going to unpack that in this series. And we're going to unpack different stories of different people like crazy, dysfunctional characters in the family tree of the Messiah. There's going to be some good news and good hope for you and me as we unpack those stories. But here's a better question than why 42 generations. Here, here, write, write this down. Why did God choose to come to earth in the form of a human being? Like, why not just come down on a cloud in, in, in a, in a fuzzy haze and, and like with a halo around his, his head? Why not just come down in the form of God, not the form of a human being? Well, that's what we're going to unpack, and that's what we're going to see in this series, The Family Tree. Let me give you just a few reasons why God chose to scoop up the most valuable treasure in heaven, the son of the living God, and birth him through a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit to live a fully human life, yet fully divine, and die an excruciating death, and be risen in power, and now preparing a place for you and me. Why would he choose to do that? A few reasons. Here's the first. Number one, Jesus came to erase the misconceptions about God. There were all of these assumptions and misconceptions that not only the Jewish people, but anybody around, they had their own ideology, their own ideas, their own uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, hunches on who God was, what God is, what God does and doesn't do. And the same is true, not just a couple thousand years ago, but right now in 2022, we deal with the same kind of reality. As a matter of fact, if you Google search God, you're going to come up with about 860 million different responses. Here, here's just a few opinions <laughs> on the way people view God and their conceptions, their understanding of God. One guy said, I like to think of God as the sun and myself as a ray of sunlight. The ray is the same substance as the sun, so really, I'm God too. Brilliant, right? I mean, brilliant. Here's, here's another one. I like to think of God like my dead father, watching over everything I do. <laughs> Yikes, that's a little scary, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord, are you watching me, Dad? Like, I don't know. Uh, here's another one. I like to think of God as some sort of gigantic balloon like a giant brain 
floating in space, somewhat of like the Wizard of Oz kind of thing behind the curtain. You may have seen one of the, uh, one of the famous uh, paintings uh, done in history. Uh, it's called Pull My Finger. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not called that. It, it's called The Creation of Adam. It's called The Creation of Adam. It is made by the great painter Michelangelo. And if you've only seen this part of it, you've probably been to Hobby Lobby a time or 12. But if you've not seen the rest of it, here's what the whole image looks like. This is the whole image of the creation of Adam, and here we have Adam, and here we have God, and here we have some of the angels and souls and, and whatever, and, and here's what's interesting about Michelangelo, and here's what's interesting about the previous thing we just, we just read about God is like some big balloon. If you cut out this part, and you just look at Michelangelo, what looks like a cape or looks like a robe Michelangelo is actually showing us his opinion that this whole idea of God is actually something inside the brain, almost a figment of our imagination. And even though that's crazy to think Michelangelo doing that back in the early uh, centuries, the truth is, Psalm says it like this, this is the day that the Lord has made. That's Psalm 118, but if you were to take not Psalm 118, but culture 118, we would write it this way. This is the Lord that the day has made. This is the Lord that the day has made. We are living in a culture where we don't want to be the creation, we want to be the creator. We want God to scoot over. We don't want him to have naming rights or to show us anything. We want to show him a thing or two. So what we end up doing is we tend to imagine God in the way that is most convenient for us. If it aligns with my beliefs, my opinions, my feelings, my desires, my beliefs, then this will be the day that I will make the Lord versus the day that the Lord will make. Furthermore, we tend to want God to support our decisions and lifestyles. Like, we love God until he disagrees with us. We want to follow God. We're good with the big man upstairs until the big man upstairs says, no, 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 this is the way, walk ye in it. We're like, no, God is too restrictive. No, God doesn't want me to be happy. Why is God so controlling? Why does he have so much like shackles on us? If you'll remember a couple weeks ago, I said, when God created the heavens and the earth and he creates the Garden of Eden, he created 52,000 different species of trees. And yet he just said, avoid one, avoid one. One, he is a free to eat God, not a you must not God. But we tend to kind of, you know, support our decisions and lifestyles by creating the God of our own understanding. We tend to want God to be our genie in a bottle. And if we can kind of come up with our wishes, if he doesn't answer it, then he's not a genie worth having. And you know what? This is not a, this is not a how dare them minimize God. Usually, this isn't malevolent. This isn't like mean thinking. This is just the reality of the culture we're living in. And people sincerely have these beliefs, sincerely held beliefs about God is a balloon. God is what you make it. God is the air. You're God, I'm God, let's all be God. Like, 
That's sincerely held beliefs. People, though, can be truly sincere, but still be sincerely wrong. 95% of Americans believe in a God sincerely, but a huge percentage are getting it wrong because they're creating their own God for their day. So here's a question that I, I simply want to ask us today as we uh, kick off this series of the family tree. Do I have any false concepts or ideas about God? Am I living kind of a half-truth about God? We need to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. God sent his son to show us who he really is by what he taught and how he lived. We wouldn't know that God came to forgive. We wouldn't know that God came to love. We wouldn't know that God came to be with us if he didn't show up in the form of a human. Other than that, all we had was the God of the Old Testament, and that was a, a sacrifice system God, God that was good, God that was to be revered and honored and to be held holy, but, but it was a God that was somewhat disconnected. It wasn't the way God wanted it. It's the way that the Israelites and the rest of the people chose for it. They wanted to do their own thing and make their own gods. But Jesus even says, hey, this is why I was born. This is why I came into the world, to tell people the truth, like, like to tell the people the truth about who he really is. And here's what he did. When Jesus comes from heaven to earth, Jesus shattered common myths about God. And these common myths back then in the Bible are still the common myths today. Here's some common myths. Write them down. The common myth that God is uncaring and unconcerned. That God is watching us from a distance, as Bette Midler would sing. He's uncaring, unconcerned. I'm going to do my thing. You do yours. It just is what it is. Another myth. God is unmerciful and unpleasable. That you can never make him happy. Oh, it's just not true. And Jesus shows us that. And he shatters those misconceptions. Here's another misconception. God is distant and detached. And yet, over this season of Christmas, starting after Thanksgiving, it's God with us, Emmanuel, him that reached down for us. See, some people think, no, if God is, if God is just infinitely holy, and that's all, then he wouldn't come down to meet us where we are. He would expect us to figure out how to meet him, for us to climb the ladder. He's infinitely holy, but he's also infinitely loving. So he's holy that we can't climb the ladder, so he comes down to us because he's also so loving that he knows that we couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't be holy enough. So he is the perfect, holy God in our place. So God came to kind of fix some misconceptions. Number two, the reason why Jesus came to this earth, he came to express the love of God, not just who he is, but how he loves. Um, when you understand that he's not just a God separated from humanity, but a God that loves us deeply, this is why he shows, it's why he shows us all this family dysfunction in 42 generations. Because through all the dysfunction, he still chooses to so love the world he would send his only begotten son. Scripture says it like this in 1 John. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world 
so that we might have eternal life through him. Why did he come? To show us he loves us. Here it is in Ephesians 3. May you be able to feel and understand, not just think about and kind of read about his love, but feel and understand how long and how wide and how deep and how high God's love really is and to not just read about it, but to experience this love for yourselves. How long, how wide, how deep, how high. Would you write these down? How long is God's love? How long is God's love? Well, it's long enough to last forever. It's long enough to reach through 42 generations and still keep reaching to your generation and my generation and the next generation and the next and the next and the next until he comes. How long? It'll last forever, everybody. How wide is his love? How wide is it? (laughs) It's wide enough to reach me anywhere. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, his love is wide enough that it can reach to the shoreline of your own sin, the shoreline of your own regret, the shoreline of your own island that maybe you've chosen to separate away from and try to stay away from him. His love is wide enough. He can reach you wherever you are. How, How high is his love? Well, it's high enough to look beyond who I am to who I can become. He has a helicopter view and Many of us, all the view we have of our own lives is kind of under the bus. <laughs> it's like under, it's, it's in the undercarriage. It's, it's, it's looking at the very minute things and he sees from the heavenlies to who I can become, not just who I am. How deep? Deep enough to handle the hurts I've experienced. His love will go all the way down into every layer of shame, every layer of regret, every layer of wound, every layer of hurt inflicted upon you or inflicted by you. His love is that deep. In the middle of a Nazi concentration camp, Corey Tin Boom and her older sister, Betsy, arrested for trying to hide and transfer Jews across the border. They were arrested. They were thrown into a concentration camp. Um, They were treated like cattle. Corey would say to her sister, this place is hell. There's no way God is here. And Betsy said these famous words. There is no pit so deep, Corey, that God's love is not deeper still. In the middle of a concentration camp, they understood how wide and how long and how deep his love is. Why did God come in the form of a human to show us his love. Number three, Jesus came to earth from heaven to enable a relationship with God. 
that it isn't just understanding who he is, but that we can have communion. We can have community. We can have relationship way beyond religion of what we do in the robotic action steps. Can I tell you that in Christmas time, we're going to celebrate not good advice, but we're going to celebrate good news. This culture is going to give you the morning show and the different kind of radio programs during Christmas, and they're going to give you advice on how to save that money. They're going to give you great advice on how to make the most of your your holiday shopping. They're going to give you advice on what places to go to see the certain Christmas lights. They're going to give you some good advice, but I want you to know that Jesus isn't interested in coming from heaven to earth to give you good advice. He came to bring good news. Do you know what the difference is between good advice and good news? Good advice is the stuff you ought to do. Good news it's the stuff that's already happened. It's already been done. And he came to enable a relationship with you, not based on good advice, but on a relationship that was prepared since the beginning of time. Scripture says it in Ephesians, the apostle Paul, his unchanging plan has always been, always to adopt us into his own family (laughs) by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is why we see 42 generations. He's wanting to adopt us into that family. Now, what what does the scripture say in, in Galatians 3? You are all children of God. You are all children of God through going to church. (laughs) That's what we've thought. That's the good advice. That's the good advice, not good news. Uh, by, you know what, doing good things. That's good advice. You ought to do good things. There's nothing wrong with that advice. Do some good things. Hello, be a good person. Be on the nice list, not on the naughty list. Be, a, be good. But that's not good news. That's good advice. Oh, he, here's how you're all children of God. By like, you know, just being alive. Just because we're here and just because we breathe and God is good. Like, no, 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 no. You, you've got to like make a decision to be adopted. You've got to receive that adoption. You may be a created being of God, but you're not a child of God until you embrace him as father. He's way beyond creator. He wants to be your father. No, no, no. You are all children of God through Faith in Christ Jesus. And those different, those, those different stories in the genealogy are going to build your faith that he came to receive you. The importance of this whole thing, the importance of, of, of all this stuff, the importance of, you know, what's your dad's 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 name? The whole the whole importance of that is here. He is who he says he is, everybody. he's, He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he really is Lord. And we're gonna see just how much he has proven to us he is who he says he is. We're gonna pack prophecy over the next few weeks. Unpack like legitimate, unbelievable truths that he fulfilled that there was no way it could have happened by just some carpenter's son. It had to be supernatural. It had to be divine. And the importance of his dad's 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 times the 42nd power. You, you got to know he is who he says he is. And secondly, 
there's room in his family for people just like me. <laughs> there are those that have fallen not once, twice, but nine times. There are those that were prostitutes. There were those in his family tree that um, the Old Testament said, you cannot even enter the temple of God. And yet they're in the lineage of the Son of God. There are sons born of an adulterous affair that resulted in a murder and an unwanted pregnancy. And yet that child is in the lineage of Jesus. There's room for people like you and people like me in God's family tree. Hmm. Romans says it like this, and in this Thanksgiving season, we can rejoice or we can give thanks in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He broke through all of the silence, 400 years from one prophet to the next, through all of the bondage and the slavery and the pagan idolatry, Jesus breaks through the silence. He's born into the right family at the right time for you and for me. It's good news, not just advice. Would you close your eyes with me this morning at all of our locations? I want to pray for you. And there's two prayers. Um, I, I first want to pray over family stuff because I know that in Thanksgiving and Christmas time, um, there can be some family dynamics that are incredibly comfortable and other stuff that isn't. And there's dysfunction and all that stuff. I just want you to know Jesus meets you where you are. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray for your family events or, or, or to be honest, maybe some of the lack of family events. Jesus, thank you that we're in your family as we've invited you into our lives. Lord, I pray that you would be so ever-present, <laughs> that you would be so felt around tables this week, that your spirit would guide us and speak to us and help us and guide us in what to say and when to stay silent, when to listen and when to speak, how to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I pray that we would show the hands and feet of Jesus to not only our family, but this community as we give thanks. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us and you showed it through your family. With heads bowed and eyes closed, there's another prayer and that's for you. And the truth is you're created by God, but you've not invited him to be your father. You've not accepted Jesus as the son of God to save you from the sin that separates you. Sin is not the act you committed. Sin is the authority that you and I reject. And he wants to be the final authority in your life. And if you need to invite Jesus to be your final authority, to begin to walk with him and learn his ways and learn his path and, and learn what he says is the way, the truth, and the life, if that's you for the first time or a fresh time, if you need to pray that, you just, you just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. 
Thank you for meeting me right here, right now. Thank you that you're not mad at me, but that you would give me this moment to receive the good news that you've already done all that needs to be done so that I could be adopted into your family. Jesus, would you take my sin away and give me a fresh start today? Help me to begin to follow you and to take next steps in that. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen every heart and every mind that we would be so convinced that you are who you say you are. We would, in, we would deepen that relationship with you and we would just experience this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, the love that you have for us and that we would share that love with others. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Everybody said amen.